Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And welcome to Cats and Cosby. Boy, it has been an action-packed a little over an hour as you have been listening here live on 77 WABC. No topic off limits, a no-holds-bar one-on-one discussion that I just had, as you all heard live, with former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. And we're going to continue the discussion with, I think, three of the best in the business here joining us on Cats and Cosby. We have now former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Of course, we have the great GOP leader, Craig Eaton, and we also have Judge Richard Weinberg. Uh, Rudy, your reaction. I, I, well, you you know, I, got I tried call. every which way I, but well, loose you, on that you, one. I'm glad, I'm glad you did because you, I got a call, a little bit of a nasty call on my show right before this in which they said, why did Rita uh, give any hints about the question she's going to as if, you know, she's a prosecutor going to put him in a grand jury. And I said, Rita is one of the best journalists I know. She's got tremendous integrity and she's going to ask all the tough questions. And you bailed me out. You did. It was a great interview. And if it were a political debate, you ruined him because he sounded like a whining uh, one excuse. And the way you got him was he wouldn't take responsibility for anything. And that's what I found that's astounding. That's not a leader. That's a, yes. that's a, that's a uh, well, he's always been like that. I mean, he refused to take responsibility uh, in any meaningful way. Your reaction, Greg? I, I wouldn't have expected him to take responsibility. I mean, he's obviously going to dodge all the questions. I think all the questions were right on point. The one thing that really, really got me going was bail reform. He said the crime, the increase in crime has nothing to do with bail reform. There is a direct correlation between the fact that these criminals are back on the street committing crimes over and over again, have no fear of punishment, have no fear of going back to prison, have no fear of being arrested. They're going to continue to commit crimes. There is a direct correlation. I was kind of upset with that comment. Well, and it came, by the way, right after I had asked him about uh, Daniel Penny and Jordan Neely. And he brought up the fact that Jordan Neely had over 40 prior arrests. So it teed it up right to go into bail reform. And yet when it got to that, he had nothing, no responsibility to do with that, even though he pushed it and he defended it still to this day. Judge. Well, I think uh, the crisis in New York City is a crisis of lawlessness. It started with de Blasio when he wouldn't appeal the stop and and frisk ruling. He had a bad decision. The federal district court judge was taken off the case. They would have won on an appeal. So that set the stage. De Blasio then had a hostility to law enforcement. Then you have a super left legislature. And what did they do? They passed the so-called bail reform, which is a get-out-of-jail-free ticket. They do not hold people responsible. What did you make of Cuomo's reaction, uh, Judge? He was a governor when it was passed. He was part of the, the deal. They passed in the middle of the night a budget piece. Never should have happened. They've been trying to walk it back and talk it back. And they want everybody to deny the reality that we see in the subways and on the streets, which is there's a climate of lawlessness and we have to take the city back. Otherwise, we're lost. Mr. Mayor, what do you think? Yeah, I think exactly, exactly the same thing. But, you know, to take responsibility for that would be for him imp- uh, psychologically impossible. The guy has been like that all, all his life. I mean, he's not, he's not a leader. And he doesn't, he doesn't, um, he should, he should have said, for example, particularly with the bail reform, we didn't think through all of the ramifications of it. And clearly it should be changed. 
and on what he did with the uh, uh, with the elderly people, stuffing them in the nursing homes, he should have said the same thing at the time. It was a very difficult time. We had to make very quick decisions. Did you hear his yeah. answer, Rudy? What I was astounded. I, I, I made a couple right, of wrong right, ones. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he never said he made even one single mistake. And he kept saying that it was the health decision. And I said, I said, by the way, I'm not a doctor, you know. And I said, but I know not to put an elderly person in a nursing home. And he said, well, we were following guidance. And I said, well, why didn't you? everybody knew? Everybody knew at the very beginning of the pandemic, that's the worst place but, to put an elderly. But What's it really wasn't to guidance to put them in nursing homes. But the federal government was saying you shouldn't put them in nursing homes unless they're configured for it. Right. And and these people Why clearly only were not five ready. governors do that? And every other governor did the opposite because they read it correctly. He he. And I'm going to tell you why he put them in nursing homes. Because they were his biggest damn contributors. That's why. He put them in nursing homes for money. That's why he did it. <laughs> the amount of money they made for each and every patient is mind-boggling. They yeah, were complaining the insurance like hell. Yeah. They didn't want them to die somewhere else. They yeah. wanted the dead body so they could ch- they could charge it. Who, well, who and, again, and, again, and again, he said and that that biggest, wasn't the case. Let me emphasize, they were his biggest campaign contributors from the day he started. And it was uh, similar groups who also donated to others, you're right, that were in. The other question I asked him also was the book deal. Because that is something that a lot of the family members with the nursing homes have said, first of all, why were you writing a book? And I brought that up. Forget even the money part of it. If you are the leader of a state in the middle of the pandemic, I would think you wouldn't have anything else to do than focus on the pandemic than writing a book. That's one. Two, was he diminishing the numbers and was his department diminishing the numbers, which has also been the contention and not just publicly. That came from the comptroller. The comptroller came out and said that they concealed the numbers, 4,100. That's a big difference in numbers of deaths that were not out there. And he said, oh, no, nobody thought that we concealed it. It was just sort of a, a clerical error. That's not what the New York State comptroller found. Rudy, go ahead. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the the reality is that he said things like, oh, I put all those beds in Javits Center. No, he didn't. The federal government did. And he didn't use them. Plus, he said he used the, the ship. He did not. He used about 10, 12, 15 percent of the ship. Yeah, and he made it sound, Rudy, what that it was sort of after the peak. And I said, I said, let's not talk about it as if it's peak. These were people. Why wouldn't you have these pulled some out and put them in? And it was Trump who sent the USS Comfort. Absolutely. In fact, there's a there's a very strange thing that happened. He and Newsom were praising Trump effusively. I wrote an op-ed piece at the time for the for the Journal or the Post. I can't remember saying this is wonderful. We have some bipartisanship. Within a day of writing it, they both changed their tune, but particularly Cuomo. And I'm sure they got a call from somebody at the Biden campaign that said, would you stop it? You're going to get this guy reelected. All of a sudden, they went from saying Trump is doing everything he can. He's doing a great job. Oh, and now Trump is responsible for all the problems. And uh, the rea- the reality is uh, he 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 realized he was going too far and he was going to hurt his chances. He's always had it in mind that he wants to be president. Well, and I asked him at the end, does he still have political of course future? He, does. he, he, he made the little joke like, I, I want to be like Rita Cosby. Uh, what would you think of that joke? <laughs> Yeah, but uh, and he asked nasty questions. Right, exactly, exactly. And Nothing, they said, "Oh, you were, you you know? were anything but nasty. You were tough, but you were very respectful." 
Yeah, and and also being fair too. That that's yeah, what my my I wanted to. Yeah. And and by the way, we have had, and I said this to the governor, was that we have had so many people calling in and making comments from all sides of the aisle. We've had people who've been supportive of him who wanted answers to some of the questions I asked. Those who are not also as well. Um, and to me, this is not a Republican Democrat issue. This is a New Yorker. This is an American issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, bottom line, Judge. I think. Uh... WABC and, and you and John Cassidy has been very fair about this. You said if Cuomo wants to come in and speak his piece on the issue, that's fine. And if Janice Dean wants to come in and speak her piece, that's fine. Let's listen to everybody and the people can sort out the truth. And I think that's what we should be doing. We're, we're not a partisan radio station. We're trying to get the stories out so people can make their own independent judgment. We still believe in the common sense of people. Absolutely. And by the way, I defended, I mean, many people were saying, why are you putting him on? Why are you giving him airtime? There's a lot of emotions. And we specifically said, no, to your point, Judge, that we hear from everybody. Give him a chance to answer the questions. Give him the chance to answer fair questions and tough questions, but fair ones um, in a very respectful manner. And I always have respect for somebody in that office. But there are some serious questions that Hopefully, I hope uh, gave some answers today, but also it was revealing, Rudy, to to your point that he there were certain things that he was saying, uh, no, bail reform isn't bad. But, oh, yeah, crime is bad. Um, And migrants coming in, that's bad. But sanctuary cities isn't bad. I mean, he sort of I made the expression to him. You're trying to have it both ways. Uh, Your thoughts, Craig? uh, I agree 100 percent. I don't think he really answered a lot of the questions. I think he. He kind of gave fluff answers on a lot of them. I think your answers were very pointed. And you he mean could the have questions. Gone, the, question, the questions were very pointed. He could have gone either way, and he took the easy route. I don't think he really admitted to anything, and that's what we need. We need to know exactly what happened. We don't know. We used to see the, the press conferences. De Blasio would have a press conference. He would have a press conference every day, and they would give us five or ten minutes or 20 minutes of what was going on. But we really don't know what, what was behind the scenes and what the true answers are. Yeah, and That's he still, the only, right. the only thing he came to one point, you guys, he said, I, I am the governor, cause he kept trying to go to New York, other states, and I said, listen, you're the former governor of New York, let's talk about New York, we're not talking about Arizona, we're not talking about this. Um, and he was a strong governor, as you know, a heavy handed. I mean, he had a, you know, a well, well <laughs> yeah, known, very heavy you know, but everybody knew him, he wasn't like a wimpy governor, right. per se. Um, and then I, then he said, Yes, these things happened. We were in a war. And because I was the governor, it happened under my watch. So I take responsibility for overall. But then when it got to nursing home or women or bail reform or sanctuary cities, he takes no responsibility. Rudy? Yeah, well, I mean, and sanctuary cities, right now we're living through it. We've got 60,000, 70,000 illegals here. And to talk about these people, the, the, the poor migrants, Come on, every single one of them came in here illegally. There are a lot of other people that want to come in here legally that get blocked because of them. And finally, this isn't the nice little migrant of 30 years ago coming from Mexico to work. These are people that are coming uh, across a border. We do not at all inspect them. We don't do any. You know, you know who inspects them? The Mexican cartels. Right. They choose who comes in. Rudy. The border is controlled by the cartels. Absolutely. Not by the they are the t- they're like a toll booth. Exactly right. And they've, they're facilitated. That's why people are dying like crazy of fentanyl. Well, that's why I brought up with him, too, about it being, shouldn't they be vetted? And I also yeah, brought up yeah. with John Katsimatidis, of course, John's um, suggestion about putting them in Rikers. Oh, no, we can't put them in Rikers. And then he said, well, it's okay to be busing them all over the state. How is that solving the problem, Rudy Giuliani? But just spreading it. I mean, and you have no idea who you're busing. 
They, they were vetted by the cartels. We don't vet them at all. And then we send them out. And uh, it could be a good person. It could be a murderer. But they it totally disappeared. Look at all the terrorists that came in that snuck through the border. Right. There's hundreds and they? hundreds of thousands probably of terrorists that are here right now. And we don't know who they are or where they are. But by the way, if someone is, a, Mr. Mayor, someone is arrested, what's the first thing they do at arraignment? They have a police department check the fingerprints. And what are you checking it against? So even if you take their fingerprints, what, what records are you finding out? You will get absolutely nothing. So you have, literally have no idea who these people are. Yeah, and, and it is stunning. And I didn't hear anything from him sort of talking about that process mm-hmm. uh, whatsoever. Guys, stick with us. We're going to continue with Cats and Cosby. Uh, John is off tonight, uh, but we have a blockbuster show. Professor Alan Dershowitz is coming up next. Stay with us, everybody. We can't wait to get his reaction on this and a whole bunch more. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. We are talking about, wow, what an explosive interview with <laughs> Governor Great. Cuomo that we just did live here. Asking him everything about nursing homes, women, bail reform, uh, immigration and so much more. And joining us now to talk about also other news of the day is Professor Alan Dershowitz. Um, Professor, uh, first, I guess, let me get your take on there's so many things going on here. Um, one of the issues, um, of course, is the debt ceiling, the 14th Amendment uh, that we are hearing President Biden saying that he may try to institute, implement it. A lot of people say the it's a stretch. Debt. Yeah. Uh, Alan, it's Richard Weinberg. I'm, my eyes are bleeding. My head's exploding. The President of the United States has the uh, capacity under his role as the executive to issue debt. I thought that was the role of Congress. And explain also of because it's, it the, it's the battles with debt ceiling that are going on right now. Well, the 14th Amendment is irrelevant. It had to do only with the union uh, being able to have its debt paid and the Confederacy not having its debt paid. This is a political issue that has to be resolved by Congress. The House of Representatives must initiate all bills relating to finance. The president of the United States has no authority uh, to issue debt. He can prioritize. He can decide which debts to pay off. But this has to be resolved um, uh, politically. And, and, and each side is going to try to blame the other. But I hope it doesn't get to that. because It really could be a serious blow to our economy if, we end up not being able to pay our debts. Who ever heard of America not being able to pay its debts? We're supposed to be the strongest economic country in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, yeah. I want to ask you about uh, your column about George Soros, too. Talk yeah. about that. We were all talking about that, Judge, before the show. Wow. Great yeah. column. Well, he's a super, Great column. He's a supervillain. He's a supervillain. And, and, and uh, Elon Musk caught him uh, and called him a supervillain. Uh, there's nothing anti-Semitic about that. You know, Soros is barely even a Jew. I like to say he's Jewish on his parents' side. But he even, <laughs> said, his mother, he even said his mother was an anti-Semite. Uh, I don't identify with him as, as a Jew. Uh, and, and even if he were uh, a, a, a complete Jew like the Rothschilds, uh, you, 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 you are allowed to criticize uh, somebody for what they've done. Uh, as long as you're not saying we're criticizing him because he's a Jew. Nobody ever said that. And uh, I, I congratulate Elon Musk for calling him out. I wish more Democrats would call him out and disassociate themselves 
from Soros. Soros has been the worst enemy of Israel uh, in the United States in modern times. He funded the two major anti-Israel organizations, which have changed the paradigm away from Israel on the left. He's also been terrible in terms of law enforcement. He has financed uh, some of the worst district attorneys who have politicized uh, justice against uh, victims of crimes and against ordinary people. And here's one Jew, me, who's going to continue to criticize Soros and continue to defend Elon Musk. I think Elon Musk has done a great job on Twitter. Tomorrow he's going to be with DeSantis as DeSantis announces for president. Of course, Elon Musk can't run for president because he wasn't born in the United States. But it certainly strengthens DeSantis's hand to have Elon Musk at his side. And Alan, what do you think about the uh, the Durham report and what's going to happen as a result of the Durham report? Nothing. Nothing. It's going to be put in the circular file like all the other reports. What's absolutely necessary is a commission to be set up, headed by, for example, Louis Free, somebody who has great distinction, looking into the, the systematic problems that the FBI uh, seems to be having today. And it has to be done in a nonpartisan, nonpartisan way, the way the 9-11 report does. Having Congress debate back and forth like a ping pong game, is, it's just not going to work. I think we need systematic reform of the FBI to make sure that politics can never, ever play any role in who's investigated and who's prosecuted. We know, according to the Durham report, it seems to be uncontroversial that they applied a different standard to Hillary Clinton, who I like and who I can contributed to and I supported, but a different standard to opening an investigation against her, which they really didn't do, and Donald Trump, where they opened up an investigation based on nothing, based on uh, you know, phony reports. So we can't allow that kind of double partisan standard to operate. Alan, this is Rudy Giuliani. How are you? Good. Let's go to a Yankee game together one of these days. I want to see <laughs> you know, Aaron he's a Red Sox fan. Another home run, you know? <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, Rudy, one thing I think about us and Yankee games all the time, because we live in a world today where if you're a Democrat, you can't appreciate Republicans, vice versa. Yeah. When I was growing up, I was a Dodger fan. You were a Yankee fan, but I was rooting for Joe DiMaggio and Phil yeah, Scott. Same thing. Them. Uh, when I saw Mariano Rivera come out to pitch and shut out the Red Sox, he didn't do that great against the Red Sox, but when he did, I would stand up and cheer. <laughs> I would cheer Jader. We've got to get back to a time when Democrats can cheer Republicans, Republicans, well, Democrats, because we all love America. Well, that's how Judge Weinberg and I met each other. He was counsel to Peter Vallone, and Peter and I formed a, both a friendship and an alliance, and we worked on what we could accomplish and got it done. Let me, let me ask you, though, about the Durham report. Yeah. Uh, what is there's no no uh, assurance that this doesn't happen again. No one's been held accountable for a damn thing. No, you're absolutely. And in right. fact, it did happen again because after this, they went ahead and censored the hard drive, yeah. which I think is, look, has to be a crime of some kind. Yeah. And look at what's happening with this uh, McCarthy aid organization called Project 65, which is coming after both of us, just because we uh, defended somebody who they don't like. Uh, it's, 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 you know, we're seeing a new McCarthyism arise in America. Uh, Rudy and I were old enough to remember the old McCarthy. We sure did. And we don't want to see a repeat of that from the left and from the Democrats. So we can work together to fight for civil liberties. Now, you've always been dedicated to it, and you've proved that because, uh, you know, a lot of people think you're a Trump supporter. You're not. You voted 
You voted the other way. You're still a Democrat. You're yeah. still the same uh, uh, Alan Dershowitz I met in the 1970s. Yeah, but you're still. And, and, for, and we've had a lot of battles. But yeah, but you're still. Yeah. Respect for each other. You're, you're still yeah, the you person who's banned on Martha's Vineyard. I want some, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's banned on Martha's. Yeah, yeah. nobody talks to him. Martha's yeah, they don't. Family. Yeah, he talks about how tough it is over there. Oh, that very, very nice community that took all those migrants. Yes, exactly. They stayed. What was it? Twenty four, thirty six hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rudy. Oh, oh my boy, goodness. and they're still cleaning hey, the place. I have to tell you though, my synagogue on Martha's Vineyard, which I have to found the Chabad synagogue. As soon as the migrants came, we opened up the synagogue. We offered them free food, free medical care, but then they were sent away. But they were good people on Martha's Vineyard who were willing to welcome. I bet um, there were. I bet there were. Not everybody. Not everybody. So. All right. Well, Professor Alan Dershowitz, we thank you so much. We love having you here. Alan, great, great job as usual. Well, take care. Thank Thank you. you Thank you. And you guys, he was bringing up uh, the fact that Elon Musk is going to be by DeSantis's side. It looks like it's official that DeSantis is going to announce tomorrow. Your thoughts, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because I, I didn't think he was going to do it this year. I figured he, he came out, got a lot of publicity, and was going to hold off. Because him and Trump, there's going to be trouble there. So I figured it would be smart for him to wait four years. It's going to be war. I, it was going to be war. And I, I just figured it would make sense for him to wait four years. Trump, If Trump wins, he can't run again. Um, and it just would make more sense to me. I mean, it's just going to be a, such a debacle. I'm also uh, too old-fashioned uh, to watch this. I was sent twice in the last two weeks of his campaign to Florida, the campaign for him, and I was sent by Trump. And at the time, I was his lawyer, and I was busy. I didn't want to go. I said, I have work to do. We've got to get a report in to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, in, to the council. And he said, no, no, it's more important. We've got to get him elected. I mean, he would not be governor yeah. if it weren't for, for Trump. Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. And if that were me, if I were him, I would, I would not, I would not run against my the guy who did that. For I me. don't see why he's doing it. He's a I young think guy. There's something been, wrong with you if you do yeah. that. I mean, I think he's 43, 44 years old. He's got plenty of time. There's no rush for him to run this year. I, I think he should wait four years. And Trump is gonna already. He's unleashing it's, like he's already the like gonna, oh, the war is some of the stuff is know, like I not know. only yeah. just on the history and also saying what Rudy just said. Yeah. Basically, I created you. You wouldn't have won without yeah. me. It's true. Yeah, but yeah. but he also talks. He's alluding to like women things, and it's yeah. gonna get yeah, ugly, guys. Wow. Ronald Reagan had it, and I'm the House Democrat, as you folks know. Yes, but, you are. But, Although but, tonight but, you're you're an American. All right, I'm always American. <laughs> he is. He's, I'm, always, I'm always an American. But I will tell you, I will tell you this. Ronald Reagan had exactly right that Republicans should not be speaking ill of each other. They're the minority yes. party, and they're just making it easier for Biden. And if you've ever had a person who should be repudiated for the way he's conducted himself as president yes. of the United States, it's Joe Judge Biden. You're right. And also, if he's going to run, he should run against Biden. Yeah. He should exactly. run against Biden. And if he can make a better case against Biden, he's not going to beat Trump by going after Trump. Uh, first of all, Trump is ahead of him anywhere from. 30 to 40 percent now. Yeah, big his, time. His, his uh, trajectory for the last two months has been down. I just looked at 30 polls. I just did a podcast on this. The last 30 polls, there's one poll where he's ahead, and that was CNN by 2 percent. Every other poll, he's behind anywhere from 30 to 40 percent. Yeah, big time. And he's not going to win in the Republican Party attacking Donald Trump. And what he's going to do, he's going to ruin it for himself. He should do what Scott did. Scott did a great uh, uh, opening yesterday. He basically talked about problems, how he would solve them. He never went after anybody. And I think that those people are running against DeSantis. 
They want to be number two. And by the way, Trump came out yesterday and said well, about Tim smart. Scott very and smart. said it's a much better choice than uh, I think he called him desanctimonious yeah. again. You can't you can't get to beat Trump until you get past yeah, uh, yeah, desanctimonious. And- <laughs> <laughs> Everybody stay with us. A lot more to come. Rudy Giuliani, Craig Eaton, Judge Richard Weinberg, and much more after the break here on Cats and Cosby. And Cosby. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And it's a big night here on 77 WABC. Now, Ford, the automotive company, reverses course and they will keep AM radios in their vehicles. Of course, John Katsimatidis has been at the helm of this, leading the pack, uh, saying that this is ridiculous. AM radio, judges we've talked about, is critical for Listen, emergency seven, reasons. You had seven FEMA directors, former directors, saying it's absolutely essential for the emergency broadcasting system to have AM. All the rural areas, they rely on AM. And you know I, what? John jumped on this the minute he heard yep. And beat up everybody. And look, you got to give John credit for this. Absolutely. You really have to give John Katsimatidis and WABC credit for for Ford and all these other automakers pushing, he, you know, giving in now. He was out there on his own, really. He was out originally. there originally. Yes, I mean, yes. Nobody, uh, nobody else was talking Nobody about else it. picked yeah, it up. Yeah. But once he did, it, it took off. And he even Congress. Right even we had, yeah. like, there were Democrats, Republicans. Everybody was saying, wait a minute, we need this, especially There's in rural areas. There's legislation in the Congress yes. on this. How Bi- fabulous. Bipartisan legislation yeah. saying we have to have AM radios. And John put, of course, the big ad also, as we got as we saw in the New, New York, York Post. Post. Right. John and, hit it on all ends. And, and I want to read the statement. This is wild. You know, sometimes they dance around and say, well, for technical reasons reasons they came right out yeah. and said guys <laughs> following pressure from lawmakers and an uproar from the radio industry i.e john Katsimatidis and wabc <laughs> ford motor company said that they will keep all am radio in its great. new vehicles how great is that well, Rita, you didn't hear any other radio stations really pushing that issue it was really just wabc well, i think it would have slipped through yeah. and it would have been yeah, one of those things through. where six months later people would have said oh my god you know yeah. there's been an emergency when we didn't have uh, it available, and it would have been one of those things which happens a lot where you say, oh, how did that happen? Yeah. John was at the forefront of this and saw it through. Bravo. And, bravo. Congratulations, bravo. You know, John. And in typical John, yeah. he said, what he said, next uh, is the next, next automaker. That's right. We'll, we'll take them one at a time and make sure they all do the right thing <laughs> to protect the American people. I, I even think John went as far as saying, don't buy Ford. He told yes. everyone, you cannot, all yeah. my friends, do not buy Ford vehicles. And he said he was not going to buy he's, anymore he's for WABC. I know. It's <laughs> and it was Kudos. Kudos to John. Coming. But people were following that and they realized that John was speaking common sense something important, and it can't allow automotive people to dictate what people can hear on the radio. Absolutely. And, of course, a lot of it conservative talk, too, on the AM dial. Yeah. Well, now let's bring in you guys. We are talking a little bit about foreign policy and big stuff happening over in Ukraine. Uh, joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He is president of the London Center for Policy Research and also Project Sentinel. Uh, Tony, let me get your take first off on, obviously, big developments of late of what's been happening over there and also talk of U.S. and others working towards training the Ukrainians on F-16s. It's a it's a game changer, but there's been some big setbacks for the Ukrainians of late over there, too. There has been. And, and let me 
kind of manage everybody's expectations. The, the F-16, while a great weapon, it was part of John Boyd's revolution of the F-15, A-10, and other amazing platforms in the 80s. This aircraft is not one that can go up against the S-300, S-400 uh, Russian air defense systems and expect to win. To me, again, this is, uh, to quote Sun Tzu, tactics before strategy is the noise before defeat. There's a lot of noise about this. But, you know, if Biden wants to win, this is not the way to do it. And, and you know, I, I want to be realistic here because I think the media is is more cheerleading than reporting. So I think, again, as much as money has been invested, uh, Rita, uh, if, if, as much as the Biden uh, uh, folks have mismanaged the uh, the uh, economy, they're mismanaging the war. So, uh, again, you know. It's it's a great aircraft, but it's it, this is not the silver bullet they're looking for at this point. Tony, it's Richard Weinberg. So if you were in the uh, White House advising the strategic thinkers and the, and the policy people, what would you tell them to do? Three things. First, uh, go back and produce every uh, ounce of oil we can. Take the bottom out of Putin's economy. The economy has bounced back. That's why you've seen them, Richard, revisit this whole issue of sanctions. The sanctions haven't worked because they haven't done the right thing. Secondly, you need to sit down with Mark Milley, and I know Mark. Mark's got some flaws, obviously, but you need to sit down and get the best. Look, I mean, I can say that I know the man. You need to sit down and say, okay, Mark, what needs to really happen here to really cut out the legs from the Russians' ability to regenerate force and then go about trying to work on those things with our allies. And third, pick out weapon systems which actually can be integrated rapidly. If you take the F-16 and integrate it, it's going to take 18 months for these things to show up because you have to train pilots, you have to train them to not only fly the thing, to use U.S. ordnance, and then you have to detrain them from their bad habits from having been trained to fly Russian aircraft. So I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, do it the right way to actually have an effect to win. Otherwise, to me, again, and I hate to sound this this, blunt, this direct about it, but this is just creating more hope that will not be sustained long term to win the war. You know, I want to ask you, Tony, because everyone's talking about Bakhmut. Um, you know, yeah. that's that city. Obviously, obviously, all the a lot of atrocities taking place there. We're hearing the Russians are saying right. they have it. Um, now we're hearing the Ukrainians say uh, that they have some of it. Uh, how key is that and where is this headed? Um, Zelensky himself called this their battle at Saratoga when he addressed Congress last year. So uh, now they're trying to back off, saying, well, it's not that important. It is important because this is symbolic. The only people I've seen on the ground with video is the Russians. So, uh, you know, again, I'm not trying to I'm not pro-Russian. I'm calling balls and strikes as I see them here. Uh, again, this is something that uh, they put they, they put all their hopes on. And again, right now, the Ukrainians are trying to prepare for their their, their spring offensive or come up in the summer now. They have to recalibrate for purposes of actually trying to assess how to allow, give up that land to the Russians, and then do something to stop their forces in depth. They've, they've been kind of talking about this. They've been trying to look at targeting missile depots and weapons dumps and things like that. So that's what they have to do. So it's time again, Rita, to, to, to accept that things were not as they were being reported uh, by the media. Uh, I think the the fact that the media, again, takes a side and doesn't report honestly inflates people's expectations. And when bad things happen, they're surprised. This was no surprise. We've been talking about this in my podcast for the past six months saying it ain't going the way, the, as well as they think it is. And this is what they need to do. But again, the, yeah. Biden, the Biden White House will not take advice from anybody who's competent. It's all about loyalty to their political cause 
not technical or strategic competence at this point. Which is really sad. What a sad testament. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, thank you so much for being here. We always appreciate hearing from you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now we've got some breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. And right before the show, John Katsimatidis talked to John Solomon, the founder of Just the News, and he has some big scoops on whistleblowers and more. Take a listen. What is today is John Solomon, and I understand we may have some breaking news. John, what's going on? We, we sure do, John. I'm at the National Religious Broadcasters uh, Convention in Orlando, and a little while ago there was a big cheer here. Why? Because Ford Motor Company, a company that you personally uh, made an appeal to, has reversed course and decided not to take AM radio out of a car. This is a safety issue. It's a free speech issue. Uh, you and so many other people fought so bravely to educate the public about it in Ford uh, reverse course today. And with that domino, I think several more dominoes in the auto industry are going to reverse course. So a big win for free speech, a big win for safety, a big win for AM radio users all across this great country. Well, AM radio, uh, I was with, uh, when I was in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, uh, it covers uh, the, the major 50,000-watt stations cover 97% of uh, the American people. And 60 yeah, to 70 and million people. Yep. Yeah, there's been growth in listenership in the last couple of years. And so it's important to Hispanics. It's important to rural America. It's important to conservatives. It's important to people that get their safety warnings during a storm or other catastrophe. Uh, this uh, decision never made sense to ban it. Uh, and it, it clearly wasn't based on metrics. It was perhaps based on another reason. But whatever it is, uh, the great uh, car manufacturer that Ford is, is not going to allow this to become a Budweiser moment. They reversed before uh, the fallout really began to hit. It was literally a gigantic cheer here at uh, NRB when, when the announcement came down. Wow. What time did that come down? Well, I heard the cheering around 1 o'clock. We had Troy Miller, the um, head of the National Religious Broadcasters Association, do an interview with us around 2.15. He was very pleased. It was the main focus of our interview uh, this is a big win, and it shows that common sense people can create common sense solutions just with a little bit of work. Oh, I retweeted the uh, CEO of uh, Ford, and I said, thank you yep. for having common sense. Yeah, that's the word, common sense. It, it, and you played such a big role in this. It's, it's good for the country. There are people in rural America that would have been disenfranchised, people in Hispanic America that would have been clearly disenfranchised, and I think uh, smarter, wiser heads have now prevailed. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, anything going on uh, else uh, uh, while we're on the phone? Well, listen, Ron DeSantis is going to jump in the race. It's getting more crowded. Tim Scott yesterday, Ron DeSantis tomorrow. Uh, Donald Trump already in, along with a host of other characters, including Nikki Haley. Uh, the field is getting a little bit more crowded. Uh, the elbows are getting a little sharper. Uh, and I hear rumors. I hear rumors. I hear rumors from uh, Virginia that Youngkin uh, is considering jumping in. Absolutely. wouldn't surprise me after his historic victory in 2021. He's been coy for quite some time about it. I think it'll be a crowded field. I think there'll be a, a lot of great ideas. Last night I had an interview with President Trump. He put a whole new idea on the table about abortion, which is, hey, I don't know where the states are going to end up, but I'll tell you one thing. We could reduce abortions by creating tax incentives and create a parent score. Parents ready to step in and be adoptive parents, get pre-approved, pre-trained, and both the mother who gives up a child instead of aborting it and uh, the parents who adopt a child both get tax credits. There's going to be a lot of fresh ideas 
coming into the Republican presidential race with all of these new entrants to the race. Well, if there's enough people to 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 adopt these kids, that's good. That's that could right. be a great solution. It really could. And it's one that's just not been talked about for a long time. Back in the 90s, Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich promoted it. I think Mrs. Clinton and Tom DeLay worked on a plan, but nothing's happened. And abortions have been going up the last few years. Uh, this is a, a ready-made idea that I think appeals to people of all different political stripes. Uh, one more thing. I understand there was another rumor going around that the, uh, the new IRS whistleblower is around. Uh, suggested yeah. the Department of uh, Justice uh, interfered with the uh, Hunter Biden case. Yes, this is not a rumor. It is in writing in extraordinary letters to the Office of Special Counsel, the Chief Whistleblower Agency, to the Director of the IRS, uh, and to uh, several committees in Congress. The lawyers for the senior IRS agent that we first talked about on your show a couple of weeks ago have revealed there's a second whistleblower, a subordinate agent to him, that says that the FBI has been, excuse me, the Justice Department has been interfering with IRS and FBI agents and their ability to investigate the Hunter Biden tax case for years, not months, but years. Uh, we expect one of those whistleblowers to uh, be interviewed on Capitol Hill behind closed doors as early as Friday. Just confirmed that a little bit ago. So the whistleblower stories are multiplying the concern about justice being uneven, thumbs on the scale, particularly when it comes to Hunter Biden and Donald Trump. Uh, becoming more real every day. John Solomon, I'll let you get back to uh, what's going on in Orlando. Thank you so much for calling in, and and God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you so much. Thanks, John, and congratulations on the great work you did to save AM radio. Thank you, and uh, uh, the American people deserve it, and uh, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Wow, what a great discussion with John and John. And after the break, we're going to be talking to Greg Jarrett of Fox News. Wait till you hear what he has to say. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. Well, you just heard that explosive interview that John did with John Solomon talking about the IRS whistleblowers. And now our next guest wrote an incredible column talking about how the Durham report basically shows that Biden and Obama knew the truth about Russia and the Trump collusion and the hoax of it all. But they kept silent. And joining us now here on the show is Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. Uh, Greg, we are so happy to have you. We got Rudy Giuliani. We got Judge Richard Weinberg. And we've got Craig Eaton here in studio. Greg, go ahead. Nothing in the Durham report. Uh, read page 81. Uh, in July of 2016, CIA Director John Brennan rushed to the White House for an emergency debriefing. He wanted to tell and did tell President Barack Obama and Joe Biden, the vice president, about the evidence uncovered by American intelligence. It was corroborated. It was vetted. It was solid evidence. The agency had determined that Hillary Clinton had approved a campaign plan to stir up a lie, a scandal against Donald Trump by tying him to Putin and the Russians. Now, of course, it was outrageous. It was completely conjured up by Hillary and her craven imagination. And for the next three years, 
All of these people, not just Biden and Obama, but the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, James Clapper, the DNI, and FBI James Comey, they were all in the meeting, and they all spent three years remaining silent that it was all a hoax. And they watched happily, uh, you know, as the media in an orgy of lies and condemnations claimed that Donald Trump was a Russian stooge. And, you know, on a daily basis, the media pronounced him guilty in the court of public opinion. And Obama and Biden and Clapper and Brenner and Brennan and Comey, they all knew it was a lie. And Judge Richard Weinberg, you got a question for Greg Jarrett of Fox Greg, News. Greg, so we saw this in 2016. Then you see a repeat of this kind of phenomenon of the abuse and weaponization of government entities because of the Hunter Biden laptop and the shutting down of countervailing opinions. They shut down Miranda Devine's story in the Post, the laptop from hell expose. How do we, how do we get a, a real accounting on this, and how do we stop this from happening again in the future? Well, Judge, you're absolutely right. I mean, the FBI interfered in the 2016 election. They did it again in 2020. They'll do it again in 2024 uh, unless they are stopped. And, you know, there's no appetite among Democrats to do it. They're covering it up today. Eric Swalwell, the congressman, said, oh, you know, the Durham report, just a process foul, nothing to see here. Let's move on. Jamie Raskin said, quote, (laughs) nobody takes the Durham report seriously. (laughs) Really? Nobody takes Raskin seriously. Uh, And Raskin went on to say, well, there's nothing in that report that undermines our faith in the FBI. Are you kidding me? The entire report undermines faith in the FBI. You know, I'll give credit to NBC's Chuck Todd, who said, this is so serious. We now need a new church commission to deconstruct the FBI and rebuild it. And he's absolutely right. So do you think they actually will, Greg Jarrett, actually construct something like that? I mean, you're right that it leaves so many questions. And the fact that the vice president and the president would be aware of that and all these intel officials and, and what, no repercussions? That's stunning. With, with Merrick Garland at the helm of the Department of Justice, the protection racket for Joe Biden and Hunter Biden will continue. With Democrats in control of the Senate, uh, they will not constitute a, uh, a renewed church commission uh, to change the FBI by law. That's the only way to do it. So the answer is the next election, the ballot box. The American public will have the say. Would a, uh, Greg, would a special counsel with respect to the Hunter Biden situation and the influence peddling schemes by the Biden family, would that be helpful in this context? Oh, it absolutely would, but it has to be appointed by the Attorney General Merrick Garland. He has rejected the written demands repeatedly by members of Congress to appoint a special counsel. He has ignored the federal regulations that require him to appoint one. I mean, it's it's ludicrous that an attorney general is investigating his boss's son over documents that implicate his boss. That is, by definition, as you well know, a conflict of interest. Definitely. It demands Definitely. a special counsel. Garland won't do it. And Biden is more than happy with that. Greg, this is Craig Eaton. You know, it's funny because I'm an attorney here in New York, and the and the FBI was a premier law enforcement agency in the country for decades and decades. And I'm sure the mayor can attest to that when he was the U.S. attorney here in the Southern District. But the weaponization of the FBI and the Department of Justice under the Biden administration, 
I mean, it, it is so disgraceful. How do we get back? I'm, what do we do? I mean, you know, you're hundred percent right. We need, we need a special counsel. The judge is right. We need a special, we need the appointment of a special prosecutor to look at this, but that has to come through the Biden department of justice, which is never going to happen. So I guess, I guess we have to wait until 2024 and we need to address this in the ballot box. I think that's the only way we're going to get it done. And people need to know what's going on here. They need to know that we need to have change in the government. That's why you need to have the houses of Congress in other hands away from the executive. Yep. You need to have the Republicans with their subpoena power controlling the House representatives and the Senate. The truth will never come out. It was all in one party hands. Yeah. And this, but this DOJ, I mean, this attorney general, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, no. Rudy. I mean, this, I have never seen such a political attorney general, at least in modern yeah, and times. He's completely impervious to any uh, kind of criticism. And there's yeah. very little because the press is on his side. But Greg, uh, this is Rudy Giuliani. Greg, um, how how do you accomplish anything when no one's held accountable? I mean, uh, in point. essence, it encourages doing it again. Great point. And in fact, they did do it again. They did the hard drive after this. They they covered that up. So uh, it's almost absurd that no one's been prosecuted. I mean, Comey should have been prosecuted way back when it was revealed that he committed perjury. And and by the way, and this might not have names, happened. Replace you know, the, the hard, names with Trump. If you Can think you about it, if you think about it, had Barr uh, prosecuted Comey. I don't know that the hard drive would have been covered up. Uh, I mean, nothing nothing changes things better than uh, prosecutions. The New York City Police Department turned around because of the Knapp Commission. It wasn't the commission. It was 70 prosecutions of cops who went to jail. All right. Uh, Greg, do we still have you with us? Greg, real quick, uh, final thoughts. Uh, so we, I think we just lost him. But you brought up a great point there, Rudy. How can you um, accomplish anything when no one is held accountable? That is a brilliant people statement. committed yes, sedition. That's a brilliant statement. And I said replace the names also yeah. with Trump. Can yeah. you imagine yeah. if it was down, the shoe was on the other foot? It would have been impeached 20 times. Oh, Unbelievable. Love that, love that statement. Unbelievable. That Everybody, so true. Uh, how great to have you here. John's going to be back tomorrow. And bravo, John, on the AM yes. radio. Congratulations and congratulations, Rita. We miss you, John. Yeah, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way.